Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today we have a returning guest who appeared back in September 2020, which was three years ago, which was episode 98. Um, David Graffello, who is the who's an experienced C-suite executive with over three decades in the precious metal space um, and is the former president and CEO of Goldcorp. Um, David's passionate uh, and focused in the creation of growth of multi-million dollar sustainable mining businesses across multiple continents um, and is the CEO of many companies, including Gold Royalty Corp, Marshall Presses Metals Fund, uh, Gold Mining and Arius Gold Corporation. And he's here to talk uh, here today to talk about uh, obviously the various companies that he's involved in, uh, monetary policy, uh, the inflation life cycle, mining equities. Um, so there's generally a, a lot, lot of um, topics we're going to cover um, and obviously unpack. So that's welcome, David, uh, back to the podcast. How are you doing, David? I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me on, Rob. No, no I appreciate your time as well. Um, Obviously, for those that didn't listen to that episode three years ago, obviously, I remind you to go back and and, and have a listen to that. Um, but for those that didn't listen to that episode, just want to just give us a quick or, or not necessarily quick, uh, just an overview of, of, of yourself and your, your career. Um, obviously, since you possibly since you graduated through to sort of uh, present day. Yeah, it's approaching now 35 years in the mining industry. Uh, though I'm an accountant by training, uh, I joined the base metal business back in 1990, a company called Inmet Mining, uh, built several mines there uh, in the copper complex. Uh, before I joined Nico Eagle in 1998 as chief financial officer, I spent 12 years there and we built six mines in the 12 years I was there as well. Uh, then took over as CEO of HUD Bay Minerals back in 2010. I ran that for close to six years, building several mines there as well um, on the copper complex again, and then uh, joined Gold Corp in early 2016. And that culminated with the merger with Newmont in 2019 to create the world's biggest gold company by market cap and production. And then I founded, along with my uh, my partner, Amir Nani Gold Royalty Corp back in 2020, which we took public in 2021. And we've grown uh, our business 15-fold uh, since we IPO'd in 2021 through the acquisition of some of our peer companies and through investment in new royalties. So it's a, a royalty, precious metal royalty focused company with over 220 assets in the Americas. Yeah. So I just wonder if obviously you can uh, give us an overview obviously of all the companies that you are sort of involved in, obviously gold royalty uh, corp um, and gold mining and Arius gold corporation. Just want to give us an, uh, a snapshot of obviously the, the companies that you're involved in. Sure. So Gold Royalty Corp is uh, singularly focused on precious metal royalties. Um, most of, almost all of the assets are in the Americas currently, though we're looking broader uh, geographically for new royalty opportunities. Uh, as I said, we've grown very, very quickly, uh, raised $90 million in our IPO back in 2021, and have grown our royalty portfolio 15-fold through rolling up some of our peer companies. We bought three companies back in 2021 and also uh, acquired a number of other royalties through third-party royalty acquisition, uh, through project financing, 
generating your own royalties organically as well. Uh, I serve also as the co-chairman of Gold Mining Inc. Uh, that's the former parent company of Gold Royalty Corp. So we were spun out of Gold Mining Inc. back in 2021 in our IPO with royalties on Gold Mining Inc.'s assets. And Gold Mining Inc. has a collection of about a dozen development stage gold assets throughout the Americas with about 32 million ounces of gold equivalent on them. Um, and I also serve on the board of Eris Mining. Eris has uh, two Colombian operations uh, in the gold business, uh, approaching half a million ounces a year of production. I'm a non-executive director on that board and uh, a number of development stage assets throughout Latin America uh, that provide growth for, for many, many years to come. And then finally, uh, I founded a precious metal fund uh, in partnership with Zijin Mining out of China, uh, Zaojin, excuse me, back in uh, 2019, investing in early stage exploration opportunities uh, under the thesis that, you know, eventually there's going to be a rotation of capital back into the junior space, which has seen significant underinvestment. And there's been a lack of discoveries in the gold business. As a result, we've seen about a 40% decline in reserves across the gold industry since 2012. And so inevitably, uh, you're going to see a rotation of capital back into exploration. And we think the juniors will do extremely well in that environment. Yeah. Obviously, you've been in the gold space for, for quite a few decades. I Obviously, I get a lot of listeners or majority of my listeners are actually people from the mining industry. So mining professionals, no matter whether they're engineers, geologists, processing, maintenance, etc. Um and I just wondered what your take is on why you should own gold if you were to look, look to invest in gold, whether that's whether you look at um, obviously shares in companies or even take physical uh, take physical delivery of gold. What what's important about individuals in owning gold? Well, I think what it does is provides you insurance against the debasement of fiat currencies, uh, which we've seen happen continuously really since the early 1970s when uh, the US dollar was decoupled from the gold standard. And there's been a competitive devaluation of fiat currency since that point, uh, because fiat currencies became unmoored from anything physical, substantive, and gold has been the ultimate currency for 4,000 years, very finite quantity. So it's been a prolific um, uh, printing of fiat currencies globally. In fact, the purchasing power of the US dollar since it was decoupled from the gold standard in the early 1970s is down 90%. Uh, so as you can imagine, uh, that paper has become much, much less uh, uh, worthy uh, since really the, the decoupling from the gold standard. And we've seen that com competition of the base currency to preserve export markets uh, occur uh, globally. It's a phenomenon that occurs across the industrialized world and it continues and accelerated during the great financial crisis in 2008 when we saw massive monetary expansion. And now we're seeing the excesses of that or the evidence of the excesses of that in the current economy with massive inflation. Uh, headline inflation severely understating the reality on the ground. It's it's inevitable that hard asset prices will go up in the face of that type of uh, printing uh, via currency. So gold is the one currency you can't print. Uh, it's very finite in quantity. We produce very small amounts of it as an industry every year. Uh, we don't have the elasticity of supply to price. So as the gold price goes up, we haven't actually seen an increase in gold supply. We've actually seen a, a deterioration in gold supply because of the significant underinvestment in, in exploration that I alluded to a little earlier on. The juniors haven't had access to capital for a long period of time. And they're the ones that do all the heavy lifting in exploration to find new ounces in the ground, new deposits. And they simply haven't had the capital to do that. 
So we have seen a very bullish scenario paint itself really since uh, 2012 with a 40% decline in reserves, a, a continued debasement of fiat currencies. Uh, gold will shine in this environment as inflation continues to accelerate and becomes quite deeply entrenched into our economy. And obviously, you mentioned about obviously the junior miners. Have you have you seen over the, the course of the last year or two more money coming into those gold uh, gold mining juniors, or is there still reluctance to put money into the industry? And how do you see that playing out? In my entire career, I've never seen this type of disconnect between where the commodity price and where equity valuations are. Um, I've seen equity valuations worse. Um, I, I could go back to late 1990s when I served with Nico Eagle and gold was 250 an ounce. The valuations were very depressed then. It was a very unloved sector. But we have gold at close to $2,000 an ounce right now, and the valuations are severely depressed. They've gone in the opposite direction of gold. Uh, so there's been a flow of capital out of the, the mining equities, in particular the junior sector, which has seen a significant deterioration in valuations over the last year or two. Um, it's a very narrow equity market. So yes, the equity, general equity markets are up, but it's narrowly focused on the seven largest cap technology companies in the world. Uh, the rest of the equity sector or the general equity markets are suffering miserably. And the juniors in particular lack liquidity, lack access to capital, and therefore lack the ability to explore their properties. That's where we're going to see uh, a steady, continued steady downward trajectory in reserves, gold reserves in the ground for many, many years to come. Um, one thing we could talk about, obviously, monetary policy. Obviously, interest rates are increasing to unprecedented mm -hmm. levels uh, for the general public, uh, combined with um, increasing inflation. How do you see this sort of playing out uh, going on, going into 2024 and beyond? I think the interest rate tightening cycle is done. Um, and I would say was largely irrelevant anyways, because inflation continued to accelerate. So yes, nominal rates were going up, but really interest rates were flat to declining in the face of that. And that's why we've seen gold hold in so well against the US dollar. It's still near its all-time highs of you know almost $2,100 an ounce. And gold is at all-time highs in every other major currency in the world. That's reflective of the fact that monetary policy is not tightening, it's continuing to ease. And it necessarily needs to because debt levels globally are at 350% of GDP relative to where they were back in the 1970s and last big inflation cycle when they were 100%. So we have three and a half times the debt level as it relates to GDP globally than we had back in the last inflation cycle in the 1970s. Why that's important is because it, 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 it tells you how limited uh, the central banks are in terms of really tightening real interest rates, because if they did that, they would bankrupt their governments, uh, given the absolute amount of debt strapped on globally. So there's a limit to what they could do in terms of tightening nominal interest rates. They're certainly not going to tighten above the real rate of inflation, which is well in excess of what the headline numbers are. It's deep into double digit territory. And so real interest rates will continue to decline. And the correlation, the negative correlation between the gold price and real interest rates over time since the early 1970s is stark, striking. It's near 100%. Um, and so you're going to see a continued increase in the gold price in every major currency as the Federal Reserve and other major central banks start to pivot on nominal interest rates. Inflation continues to accelerate. And they want inflation to accelerate because they can't repay the debt. They're going to have to inflate it away. 
And obviously recently, obviously time recording this, which is in September, um, they've obviously had the, the BRICS meeting recently uh, between uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. Um, what can you conclude from their sort of recent meeting in jo uh, Johannesburg um, that happened the other week? Well, they've been making noises for quite a while about creating an alternative reserve currency to the US dollar. Um, I'd say uh, good luck. Uh, because it's just another fiat currency. It's just one piece of toilet paper replacing another piece of toilet paper, quite frankly. And the reason I, I say that is because paper's paper. And particularly in countries that are horribly corrupt, top to bottom, why would anybody buy reserve currency in any one of those countries? Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Uh, they have significant infrastructure deficits. They have uh, corruption, lack of rule of law. Uh, why would anybody own a reserve currency in any one of those economies? So, yeah, good luck creating an alternative reserve currency that nobody wants to own. The only reserve currency that exists globally and has for 4,000 years is gold. And how would you like the, the currency or how would you like the monetary system to be, uh, if there was a new one to be implemented, how would you like to see that being, I suppose, made up of? Obviously gold, but how how would it work? Look, I, I don't think we're going to go back to a gold standard. I, I don't think that's practical. But what I am seeing, um, and there's hard evidence of that, is central banks are buying gold as quickly as possible because they recognize that real interest rates are deep into negative territory. So there's no opportunity cost to owning the one true currency, which is gold, which can't be manipulated. So you look at the developing world, including the BRICS economies, they're buying gold as quickly as they can into their reserves, uh, their central bank reserves. Uh, to mitigate uh, the debasement of their own fiat currencies and the debasement of the U.S. dollar as well. Um, and so I think you're going to see that trend continue. And I think what that does is really create a, a universe where uh, the countries that have strong gold reserves are going to have the strongest fiat currencies. Um, obviously, you work in the, the junior uh, gold space. What are some of the challenges, apart from, I suppose, finance, what are some of the challenges the, the gold junior market is sort of experiencing globally? Well, it's a, it's just a massive retrenchment. Uh, they haven't had consistent access to capital. Maybe the, the one exception being Australia, which has access to capital through their superannuation pension uh, system. But if you look at the rest of the world, particularly uh, China, or sorry, Canada and the UK, which has been consistently a market that's allowed um, juniors to raise capital. It's been a nuclear winter for almost a dozen years or more, uh, where juniors have not had consistent access to capital. As a result, their expiration budgets have been inconsistent, and they haven't been able to invest the necessary capital in new discoveries. That's why we've seen this 40% decline in reserves since 2012 is because the juniors who do all of the grassroots exploration, they, they simply do. The producers really don't do grassroots very well. Um, they haven't had the capital and the budgets in order to do the necessary uh, necessary work at the ground level to make me major new discoveries. So I think, uh, as I said, you're not going to see a, a reversal of that downward trajectory in reserves for a long period of time, because from discovery to first production is typically 15 to 20 years. Uh, and so we're in this uh, irreversible downward decline, uh, at least in the short to medium term, in our in our reserves and ultimately our production. And that's why in the producer side of the universe, you're seeing this cannibalization occur. Uh, there's been massive M&A. Uh, most recently, the biggest has been Newmont and Newcrest in the producer side, because if you can't find it in the ground and they're not, 
They're going to have to replace it through mergers and acquisitions to sustain themselves. It's become an existential imperative for them to merge, to sustain themselves as, as corporate entities. And where do you see the capital coming from um, into the gold space? Will it be from other industries? Could it be, say, from pension funds? Or can it actually come from other some of the, the, the bigger mining companies to invest in the juniors? Yeah, look, I, I think there is some of that investment going on by the bigger companies, not consistently into the juniors to provide them budgets and some of the more promising properties. Uh, but it's not a consistent source of capital. The juniors need access to traditional equity markets in order to sustain their budgets more consistently. And I think that capital will come when we start to see some momentum in the commodities. Uh, gold and the metals complex generally uh, are at reasonably absolute high levels of, of prices. You know, gold near $2,000 an ounce, copper near $4 a pound, zinc over a dollar a pound. These are good absolute levels of pricing. But what we lack is momentum to attract that generalist investor. So when we start to see sustained momentum in the commodity price, you're going to see some of that generalist capital come in from pension funds, mutual funds, um, uh, you know, uh, sovereign wealth funds and whatnot, invest in the commodity space more consistently. And that will allow the specialists to start to raise some money as well. Um, and, and the specialists have been facing significant redemptions over the last little while. So they have, haven't had an inflow of um, consistent capital. Once we start to see that flow of capital from multiple sources, uh, then we're going to start to see the equity valuation sustain themselves, and we're going to see more consistent uh, budgets and expenditures from the juniors in the space. And how do you see the gold industry playing out among some of the mid-tier, or even I suppose mid-tier, top-tier mining companies? Do you see sort of further uh, acquisitions um, within the industry? Yeah, consolidations, continued consolidation is inevitable. Um, and and it, it's simply driven by the fact that every one of the major producers are facing declining reserves and production profiles. And so they're going to have to merge with each other to realize synergies on the GNA cost side um, and also sustain production and reserve levels and maintain a, a reasonably diversified portfolio of operations. So there'll be more of the same. There's been a lot of consolidation really since 2018. It started with Barrick and Rangold and Newmont and Gold Corp and, and a number of others. Uh, you know, Kirkland Lakes disappeared. Uh, you've seen Yamana disappear. Uh, and now you're seeing Newcrest disappear into Newmont. Uh, four short years after Newmont completed the Gold Corp merger, they weren't able to sustain the production levels. They thought they could uh, through the Gold Corp merger. So they've had to do Newcrest to get back to, to even in terms of their production levels. That's a good, that's going to be a recurring theme going forward uh, until, as I said, the juniors have consistent access to capital and start to make some major discoveries. Because this is a zero sum game at the end of the day, M and A. Uh, as long as the pie keeps shrinking, uh, there, there's going to be more of an imperative to do M and A to sustain production and reserve levels. You've obviously grown many, many uh, mining companies, and obviously more focusing on the gold sector. What are some of the sort of hidden secrets? as to how you would actually grow a mining company in that. And obviously you've been successful in doing that. What are some of the tips that you could give someone that is maybe working in that junior space that want that want to develop a mining company? Yeah, there's no substitute uh, for drilling and building. That, that's how you create value in our business. It's finding something on the ground that people didn't know existed before and then building it up um, uh, through uh, application of your balance sheet capacity or technical capacity as an operator. And that's how you create values, de-risking uh, those large reserves and creating uh, production uh, from them. That's how you create value in the mining business. The rest of it is just trading dollars, quite frankly, M&A included. 
uh, you need to find things in the ground and, and de-risk them. And, you know, what the juniors need to do is basically husband the resources and wait for the markets to come back. Um, and and from time to time, look at non-traditional sources of capital for promising properties. And that's why I'm running a royalty vehicle today, is I think it's a very, very tough uh, road to hoe to build new operations. Uh, access to capital is, is very difficult to obtain. And what I'm trying to do is provide a consistent source of capital for the, the, the explorers, the junior developers to help build their operations out uh, in, in an environment where costs are inflating, reserves are declining. Um, you know, creating value is very, very difficult in that business. And what we're trying to do is provide them capital in order to do that. How do you see the, the gold mining space play out over the next sort of two, three, four, five years? Yeah, I think it's continued cannibalization and continued merger and acquisition activity. Uh, for two reasons. One is, as I said, to sustain declining production levels, sustain uh, declining reserve levels, help them uh, get back to even, but also to maintain rel relevance for, for the generalists in space. So when the generalist capital comes back into the sector, they're going to be looking at the largest cap names first, the ones with the most liquidity. And so that's where you're seeing merger and acquisition activity at the top end of the food chain is they're trying to create that scale and relevance that will attract that generalist, incremental generalist dollar, dollar when it comes back into the sector in a meaningful way. And lastly, um, just wonder if you can uh, sort of give us a conclusion uh, around some of the companies obviously you're involved in over the sort of next six to 12 months going into 2024. Well, if there's a, a recurring theme among the companies that uh, I'm involved in, whether it's the royalty vehicle, uh, whether it's uh, gold mining, whether it's Eris, these are all development-rich stories. Uh, the royalty company provides capital to those development stories. Uh, the Eris has a number of projects in development within its pipeline. Gold mining has a dozen development stage assets. Um, and Marshalls is focused on investing in the junior end of the sector uh, where there's exploration and mine development occurring. And that's where I think capital needs to be concentrated because of the significant necessity within the mining sector for new projects for exploration stage projects, for development stage projects to populate pipelines that are very, very empty right now. That's why reserves are declining and production is declining. The sector is underinvested in that end of the food chain for, for too long. And so I do believe there's going to be a wave of capital as the gold price gathers momentum into those earlier stage opportunities out of existential necessity for the sector. It needs to grow back. It needs to grow back what, what it's been shrinking for over a dozen years. And that's really reserves in the ground. Yeah. Another question I just thought, obviously, once the money does start flowing into those junior miners, what other challenges do you see the, the, the junior space facing, the gold mining junior, once they have more capital into that market? What other challenges do you see? Well, this plays well to your profession, Rob, and that's mm -hmm. the lack of talent. Um, and unfortunately, there, there are way too many people in the sector that look like me, a lot of gray hair. Um, and not a lot of runway left in our career. And so we need to replace uh, human resources that are uh, dramatically depleting. There's a wave of retirements coming in the sector and the mining schools are not attracting the type of inflow uh, of new young talent that we need to replace ourselves as an industry. So I think uh, uh, financial capacity will, will come back into the sector in due course as we start to see some uh, momentum in the commodity price. But I'm not sure how we're going to replace, uh, you know, this generation of uh, retiring executives, retiring mining professionals uh, that'll be, um, you know, taking their retirement over the next decade or so. So that's going to be a significant challenge for the sector is, is that human capital.
Yeah. And how do you how do you see the, the industry trying to attract people? What 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 would you like to be seen? What what could be done to you know, attract people into obviously studying for various whether it's mine engineering, whether it's geology? What what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think when the sector starts to more consistently have access to capital and investing in the ground and, and creating that dynamism that we had in the early part of the century when there was a lot of uh, building of new mine capacity, that that attracts talent. It's that dynamic nature of the industry where you're building, investing capital, raising capital. Uh, that's been largely absent over the last dozen years or so because of, of the inconsistent access to capital. In fact, investors have been demanding that capital be returned to them. You know, that we deleverage our balance sheets, return capital, pay dividends, buy back stock with, with scant investment into new capacity. And when you're not growing, you don't you don't attract young human capital. You know, the, these are people that want to uh, further their careers, learn. Uh, this is an industry that's been essentially harvesting itself out of existence for the last dozen years. When we start to invest back in ourselves and uh, we see some conviction in the general equity markets in the sector, then you're going to start to see... Um, uh, some of that human capital flow back into the sector as well. Yeah, and hopefully that does happen as we were speaking offline. There is obviously, there is a skill shortage in the industry um, and there is a lot of uh, older people retiring um, and there needs to be more people. And even when I look on posts on LinkedIn, and uh, there's a lot of people now bringing this to the, everyone's attention that there is a big skills gap um, and that needs to close. Indeed. Yeah. David, really appreciate your time. Thank you for um, taking the time to uh, obviously um, have a chat with us. If our audience wants to obviously reach out to you, if they want to follow some of your um, companies that you're involved in, um, how can they go about doing that? What social media uh, channels, platforms um, are you on? Well, I'm easy enough to find on LinkedIn, uh, but if you'd like to learn more about my royalty vehicle, which is really my, my full-time day job, it's goldroyalty.com. So very easy to remember um, and be happy to to take email inquiries um, um, or if you want to sign up to our newsletter, whatever you'd like. I'm, I'm delighted to hear from investors whenever they have an opportunity to reach out. Yeah, that's great. David, all the best for the, the, the remainder of the year. Um, hopefully we can get you on next year, not leave it for another three years. And you can give us an update once once that gold price starts uh, starts rising and building momentum. So uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening, audience. Hope you enjoyed that. There's certainly a lot to unpack there. Um, gold is obviously um, an precious precious commodity in our um, in our world. Um, so um, obviously, please take note. Please share this episode with others around the industry, not just people within our industry, but also people outside of the mining industry, um, because obviously gold is used for investment purposes as well. So really appreciate your time, appreciate your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.